thank you for joining us today. I hope that you will enjoy the fellowship time that we prepared for you out in the grand foyer after service. We just wanted to give you a little mini party. I know that people have places to go and restaurants to get to, but we have a cookie for you, some water. You can have photo booths, get a flower. We have a magazine for you this year. And so there's just lots of fun stuff. We want you to come out and just enjoy just a few minutes. Get a photo with your mom. Get your photo with your friend. Just get a photo. Because we spend a lot of work on them. And then we got to take them down when y'all are at home in your easy chair. And put them all back and take them upstairs till next year. And so, and we have a lot of bouquets of balloons out there. You say, well, I didn't win a prize. Take a bouquet of balloons. Take a balloon. Just don't take what's on the balloon. Like if it's hooked to a chalkboard, please don't take the chalkboard. Just have somebody, uh, you know, take your key or something and get the balloon off. But we want you to take all of the balloons. We don't want a balloon left. So take it to your mom, take it to your friend, take it to your children. Just enjoy your balloons. What a wonderful day. What a wonderful day. Thank you so much, Pastor Jay and Gate Church family, for giving me those beautiful flowers and the recognition. It means everything to me. Thank you so much. This has been... Um, many first for my in my life, as many of you know, that my husband passed away three and a half months ago, and he and I together pastored this church, and now I have the opportunity, awesome opportunity to lead this awesome congregation with a great team of people. I couldn't do it without them, but God is helping us navigate, and look what God is doing. We're so excited about the next. You know, the Lord has continued to speak to us that he's going to give us a sound in the house. He's continued to speak to us that fresh oil is in the house. He's continuing to speak to us that he's going to help us pay off the debt of this church. And those chains will finally be broken that we will owe no man nothing. And I don't know about you, but I'm declaring that in the atmosphere. Will you declare it with me in your prayer time? that the chains would be broken off of debt over this house and that we will be able to do the things that God has called us to do on these 32 acres of property. God has spoken to us that the harvest is coming and that each one of these chairs and pews will be filled with new people that are coming to know Christ as their personal Savior. I don't know about you, but that excites me because I know God is moving in Oklahoma City. I know God is moving across this nation. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of it. I don't want to be a, I want to be a part of it. I don't want to, it to pass us by here on this corner of Oklahoma City and in your homes. You know, for 43 years, almost 43 years, my husband and I together have raised up sons and daughters of the house. That's what we've been called to do. We've done it for many, many times. In fact, Pastor Jay was one of those people. That he, the first time I met Pastor Jay, he was, uh, I think, was in Scotland or at, at uh, Emmanuel. But our first trip together was in Scotland, which was very interesting. I won't go there. Our conversations in a pub. Because over there, that's what you do when you have meetings. You got to go to a pub. Uh, that was So Pastor Jay and I sat in a booth in a pub. And we had interesting conversations at the age of 18 or however old you were at that time. And so he's been on this journey a long time with us. And so it's awesome. Pastor David and Jennifer, we've known them since Emmanuel days. And say, is you that old? I am. I am. 
I've seen some of these people when they, before they were married, once they were married, had babies, dedicated their babies, and now this is where we are. And so I'm so thankful that they've been in our lives this whole time. I remember in Greenville, South Carolina, when Jay, we, you know, my husband tried to auction him off in about every country and, and, uh, and state in the world. Pastor Jay traveled with my husband extensively. And so he was constantly asking for applications for Jay to have a, uh, a wife. And so uh, that didn't go too well because he had to go out of the country to Colombia or Venezuela somewhere. Where was it? Colombia? Colombia. To And he called back. He said, I think I found a girl. We're like, nah, you couldn't have found a girl way over there because we're not involved with that process. And um, so anyway, he felt like he found a girl. And so one thing led to another, and uh, Cece became Pastor Jay's wife. We had to bring her over uh, for, I don't know, extended time period. She actually belonged to Pastor Jason Connor for a while. And I know that sounds funny, but when she was coming into immigration, she had to have a sponsor. So Jason was her sponsor. And so it, this goes way back, y'all, like way back. Like nobody knows all the t loose ends and ties. It was really funny at the time. We used to make jokes about it, but... Jason was her sponsor, which is my son-in-law. Maybe you, you know Pastor Amanda and Jason that just recently we sent them out to England. And so they're doing great. But um, anyway, Cece came into our lives and she knew English, but it was very broken English. And she knew it well, but maybe, maybe I heard it broken. Maybe that's what it was. So we began to journey together, Pastor and Cece and I. We have lots and lots and lots of memories and miles and lots of conversations in our midst. And so Pastor, I, a month ago, I asked Pastor Cece, you know what, I really think you have a word for the Gate Church. And I really believe that Pastor Cece is one of those people that God has his hand upon. And I'm so excited today because she's one of my spiritual daughters. And I want you to welcome Pastor Cece Pike to this platform this morning. We have a great mother in the house. I'm telling you what, I have been away from my mother uh, for many years. I went to college to a different country, so um, I've been I've been on my own since I was 17 years old. And I remember coming in and living with her, living with Pastor Kathy, and she just embracing me as a mother and guiding me and telling me, you know, Jay has his quirks. You need to do this. You need to do that. She um, made Jay like bite stuff before we even got married. So we had the stuff in order. So she's been a blessing as a mother in my house, not just as spiritually, but in my marriage because she made him bite a bed before we got married and said, Jay, because Jay is tight. Ooh, Pastor Jay. In Colombia, we have a symbol that we hold the elbow because it's like, it is hard for them to stretch out to get the money. So it's like, we say, he is tight. But Pastor Kathy, you know, he tells Jay, I think you should do this. I think you should need to get ready. She needs this. She needs that. And she's a blessing into my life. So I honor her today, even for giving me the opportunity. If you are in staff, you've been there 
Pastor David can testify. When Pastor Kathy goes and says, like, David, I think Jennifer needs a new uh, couch. It's like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> but listen, in the same way she does that, she has gone into our houses and said, hey, do you have anything extra? Because we are going to bless this person. And we just give. She's a giving mother. And I bless her for that, for her acts of generosity that I have never experienced so tangible. You just give, 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 and demonstrate God's love to it. So thank you very much. Well, I believe I have a word for the house. A word that has been brewing in me, that I know that it started a couple weeks ago when Pastor Kathy said, I believe the Lord is guiding us to a place of discipleship, a place of harvest, a place where we have not been there before. And the Lord starts speaking to me and started talking to me about what does it mean to have harvest at our disposal. And the Lord told me, there is no point to have harvest at your disposal if you're not willing to change the world. There's no point to have a harvest at hand. And for me to say that it's harvest, if you're not willing to sow the seed that I'm giving you. There's no point for me to tell you there's a harvest if you're not expectation of the growth of that harvest. We need to co-labor, co-partner so we can make this a reality. So today I want us to talk about changing our world. And we're going to go right away to Acts 17, 1, 6. And we're first going to read it of the NIV version. I know they have it in the screens. If you have your Bibles, let's look at it. It says, when Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. And was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded, and John Paul and Silas, and did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not found them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. The New King James Version says that this who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Father, I ask you today that you speak to us. We need to hear your voice, Father. Open our ears, Lord. May our heart be listening, Lord. That the seed of your word that never goes empty, never comes back void, Lord, will be sown into our hearts. That will break the places, Lord, that have been hardened, Lord. 
that will transform the places and light will shine where there's darkness inside of us, Lord. Lord, I ask you that you use me, Lord. Lord, that it will be not my words, but your words, Lord. I ask you for a son of heaven, for your presence to come and your Holy Spirit to rush like a river in each one of our souls, Lord. Use me today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Like I said before, we've been looking at discipleship. And we have had many messages. Pastor Amanda talked us about stretching. Pastor Jay and Pastor Jordan are talking about the seeds and that God is a gardener and he's working in our life. But today on this thread of discipleship, I want us to talk a little bit, a little bit about those who have come to the trouble. Because that's us. We have called to cause trouble in the world, to turn the world upside down. The world is a system, and that system is not from heaven. The system is the world, and the world is the politics, the acting, the moving as the world. But we have been called to turn that system upside down with the system of heaven. We have been called to let his light shine through us and come into those places of darkness and say, I am not like them. I am not in despair. I am full of joy. I am not in circumstances that doesn't follow me. I am full of his glory. So today I have come to tell you a story about it. But when I think about Paul and his companionship, I got to be very honest. His companionship doesn't give names. You know, many mothers, Pastor Kathy talked about many women that feel like shadows. That they're just the companionship. That they don't have a prominent space. But let me tell you something. It was not just Paul that was doing this stuff. It was his companionship that it was turning that world upside down. It was his companionship that it was changing in the synagogue what the religious spirit was talking about. It was just not the leader, the one unknown, but the unknown people that was changing the world. And this story starts a little bit back. And I'm just going to paraphrase this story on Cece's version. Because this version is not in the Bible. It is mine. It is the Colombian version. You can take it. You can say, I'm heretic. Eh, just go with it. But I imagine Jesus dying, going into heaven. And when he gets to heaven, the angels are over there. and say, man, Jesus, we're here to receive you. What an awesome work you have done. I mean, if I'm the angel and I just saw Jesus died, rose again, prepared some people, I'm like, Jesus, you did miracles. You did a great job down there. You were ready for this. And then maybe one angel started thinking, I was like, okay, you changed the way God, re God and men relate. But how is this going to play off now that you're here? What is going to happen on earth? Because you started something, but who is going to continue this work? Who is going to go and tell of this great news? You had great news, and you came with us now. So who will go? Who will go? And maybe some angels had ideas, you know. And I'm, I'm a movie 
watcher. So maybe an angel say, hey, maybe Superman can go. You know, some, something heroic, something big, something that is popular. And Jesus says, nope, I don't need that. Maybe an angel said, hey, this person is rec recognized. This person is a king. This person is a counselor and has the ears of those that are in power. Maybe send them. And Jesus is like, nope, not my plan. And all of a sudden, the angels may be questions like, oh, well, if you're not going to send them to continue this miracle work, maybe send us. Maybe we can do it. And Jesus says, you can't do it. You're not qualified to do this. You're not qualified to do this. And Jesus says, let me tell you about my dream team. Let me tell you about the people I have chosen to be those that give the gospel. And the media team is going to put a picture. This 12 people, my disciples. And all of a sudden, there's silence in heaven. Maybe whispers here and there. And there are questioning is like, is that your dream team? I mean, Jesus, they don't look that much. They're just 12 people. I mean, they betray you. When you ask them to pray with you, they even fell asleep. They deny you. They were ashamed of you. How would you use those people? Why would you use those disciples? Why would you use them? They were ashamed of you. They abandoned you. They betray you. Why would you use them? And if that media team puts the next picture, this question has been going on even with the early church. He still choose them through generations and generations and generations. But here today, I'm telling you which one is the dream team of God. The dream team of God, the media is going to put it again. Nope. It was the disciples. It was the early church. But my last picture is you and I. We are the dream team. Maybe you're looking at your picture and you can find yourself right there. And I can picture in heaven Jesus talking to the angels. I have chosen each one of those faces that are there. Each one of those lives that have decided to be surrendered. Each one of those lives that have said yes to me. He has chosen that dream team. And the angels still in doubt probably is like, well, but, but why not us? We can do much better than them. Don't you know that some of them are discouraged? Don't you know that some of them are going to such a hard time that they're also denying you? They are doubting you? Don't you know that even though they had the strength to stand up and answer to the call of stretching their faith, when they went back home, they felt all the weight of the world and their work, and they got dissoluted? Don't you know 
that their dreams been crushed and they don't want to keep going. And Jesus looks at them and tells them they're not alone. They're not alone. Acts 1a tells us that the answer that he has is that but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the year. We, the church, the gay church, each one of us are called to be a witness. To be able to testify of the goodness of the Lord. A witness is somebody that says, you know what? I have seen something. I heard something. I've experienced the Lord in my life. You know, a witness in a stand comes and it is not valid until it says it. You can be a witness in a case, but if you do not come forward, you do not make a difference. When you're called, you're called to testify. To testify. And today I'm calling the gay church that it is time for us to start testifying of the goodness of God. It's time for us to start testifying that he has done something in our lives. But John, 1 John 1, 1 says that those things that eyes have seen, ears have heard, and our hands have have handled these things we announce to you. These things we announce to you. We announce a story. We announce what God is doing in me. So maybe you're sitting down and you're saying, I don't have nothing to testify. Nothing happened to me this week. Let me tell you something. He still provided. He still gave you joy when you thought you couldn't. He gave you another day to stand up. He gave you the strength to go forward. You can testify to the goodness because until you speak up, until you come forward, your testimony does nothing. It's just hitting. It's just hitting. And this is the reason the angels were disqualified. You see, the angels... Didn't have a time that they can say, my morning was turned into joy. My void places were filled with the Holy Spirit. The angels cannot testify, I didn't have nothing how to pay my bill, but God provided for me to eat. The angels cannot say, I was empty and he filled me up back again. The angels cannot testify of the goodness of the Lord. They can glorify him, they can give him praise, but they cannot say, I been changed. I've been changed by the power of his blood. I've been changed by what he has done in my life. And that is what we get to do. We get to testify to the world. We are new. We are, we can see. We were blind, but now we can see. We can testify. We had sickness and disease, but God came and touched my life. We can testify of his goodness. We can testify that I couldn't even handle school anymore, but he came and he gave me peace and joy. We can testify that our wounds have been healed. We can testify that his light shines through it. 
I ask you this morning, what is on your vessel? What's on your vessel? Pastor Jay talked to us about the cracks and the wounds in our life. And sometimes we got to like take inventory of our vessel. Is it pain, anger, bitterness, gossip, what it is flowing out of my vessel? Or is it love, joy, his abundance of grace, his glory, his light? What is coming through the cracks? Are you full of him that others can see? But how do we become witnesses? It's easy for us to say, yeah, we got to be witness. We got to witness the Lord. We got to go and take care, do the harvest. And we can come to discipleship class and they give us tools on how to share our testimony. If we are like evangelistic or prophetic or, you know, like Dr. David, intellectual to share a testimony. But how do we come witness? Mark 3, 14 says that he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. How we accomplish the mission. He picked 12 people, set them apart to spend time with him. To be close to him. Let me tell you something. Mothers, they do that with kids. Women of influence, that's what they do. They bring forth the little ones in the faith, the little ones in relationships, the little ones physically, and said, look what I do. Look how I handle this. They model. Mothers model. And the same thing happened to the disciples. They get a chance to learn from the best model. One-on-one. -on -one. You know what? He might not be present right now, but you get the chance to have one-on-one -on -one time with him. When you pray, when you worship, when you surrender your life to him, you get time one-on-one -on -one to learn from his model. You get the chance to learn from him. It says he set them apart to spend time with him so they might go out and preach. There's no point of just spending time with God if you don't do nothing with it. You're just getting fat in the word. There's no point for you to learn and for God to work in your life if you're not willing to testify to what he's doing. Because he is not doing something in your life just for you. He's doing something in your life so other people can share. So other people's lives can be changed. So it can encourage. The Bible says that he were our all our transgressions, our afflictions, our infirmities, so we can identify with him. Let me tell you something. Your transgressions, your afflictions, your sickness, your circumstances, they're not there just for you. The places of trial that you have lived, they're not there just for you. They're there so you can share to others, so you can bring life to others. So he might send us to send us on a mission.
how are we sending this mission? The Bible says that on John 17, 18, as you sent me, I send you. You don't have an option of how you're sent. You're sent the same way Jesus was sent. You're sent on the same power. You're sent on the same path. Let me tell you something. He says he's a light. Guess what? You've been called to light up torches in the middle of the darkness. You've been called to be the church that scares all, all, all darkness. He said he's a bread of life. Guess what? You have the bread of life in you. The places that people are thirsty, that they're having a desert, you are that water that can refresh them. He says he's the door. That means you are the opportunity. When you keep your testimony to yourself, you're just keeping your door closed. You're just keeping you for yourself. You know what you're being? You're being selfish. You're being selfish of the goodness of the Lord. Because he has given you everything and he has worked in you. And you are not able to say it to nobody. You are the opportunity for the loss. You are the answer for those that are afflicted. You know why there's people out there, kids that don't have mothers? Because we as a church have not stepped in. You know what? There's people in pain and doing this, like all these things because they are crushed inside because we have not shown the love of God. The world is not in bad shape because the enemy is reigning over it. Yet the world is in bad shape because we have not taken authority. We have not gone to those that need us. We have not testified of God. We have not testified of his goodness. We have not testified of what he has done of us. The change that in our lives and this is our chance the call to the gate church is for the harvest for the new oil it's for the discipleship guess what that's you that's not just pastor kathy pastor jay pastor david the choir it's you you know what? When they're in desperation outside, you have a song inside of you that can change it. You have something. You have a word of encouragement. You are the answer of the turmoil of the world. You are the agent of peace, of love. You need to let the fruits of the Holy Spirit to flow through you. You need to let your vessel flow so others may drink pure water. Pure and living water. He is living water. And many people are right now in a valley, in a desert. After the pandemic, many people have been in depression. In anger, not certain of their future, but you have the answer for their souls. God can use you. God can use you. And you might think, well, he can use my church, not me. He can use my pastors. And we retrieve from the mission. We just let the front soldiers take the hits. And we're like, oh, they'll do it. They'll take charge of that. But let me tell you something. When we think about the disciples, if I will 
take inventory of everybody. Right now, your minds went to Paul, Peter, John. Maybe look, maybe Mark, maybe. That's a big maybe. But have you thought about Philip? Have you thought about Judas, not this Iscariot? Have you thought about Andrew? I want us today to talk about Andrew. You know, because Andrew is an example of a mom. He had many characteristics of a mom. Andrew is somebody that simply which was the pin that made everything develop. Andrew is somebody that if I ask you where's in the Bible, you're like, yeah, there's somewhere. But we clearly just see him probably just in four, four different stories. The rest he just mentioned, glimpse over. And I want us to go to John 1, 35. My iPad turn off. John 1, 35, we're going to read a couple verses. It says, the next day, John was there again, again with two disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus, turning around. Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, we mean teacher, what are you saying? Where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him, and it was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that John had said who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. Let me tell you something about the life of Andrew. We see three ways to be a witness in his life. Andrew has a surrendered life, a changed life, and an obedient life. On verse 39, it says that he was, there's an invitation of Jesus to say, come and see. Now we need to understand that Andrew was actually a disciple of John. Not of Jesus at the beginning. He was following John, but I believe maybe John had a special place for Andrew because it's one of the two he introduces to Jesus. And the first thing that Andrew does, hearing about the Lamb of God, the Messiah, that one he was waiting for, is he runs and finds his brother. He runs and finds the one he knows needs the Messiah. We get that chance to in our lives. We have heard of the Messiah. We have heard of the goodness of the Lord. And we get the chance to run and get our brothers. We have a board right there with some of you have put names of people that you are praying. I'm telling you what, you need to run and get them out. Andrew ran to the place his brother was. His brother, we all know, we're going to know Paul. Amazing man of God. 
But it was Andrew who brought him to Jesus. Just one out of obedience. He brought him in. He says, come and see. I'm not sure what happened between when he ran and got Paul. That, sorry, Simon Peter. I'm not sure what happened in that moment between that and Mark 4. But something happened. Because we find Andrew and Simon Peter back at the nets. You know what? God is inviting you to have a changed life. God is a God of a second chances. Maybe today you're sitting in this auditorium and you said, you know, I have lost my first love. I used to feel excited about church. Now I just go because it's what I'm used to do. Maybe you're here sitting down and you say, I used to talk about the Lord, but I, I just, life, life overwhelms me now. Let me tell you something. Jesus goes back to wherever Andrew and Simon Peter were and tells them, follow me. He gives them an invitation to drop their nets, their physical nets. Maybe he's giving you an invitation today to drop your social media network. Maybe scrolling down keeps discouraging you. Maybe scrolling down through those posts makes you jealous. Maybe it makes you, your self-esteem go down. Maybe you need to drop them down and follow Jesus. Maybe you need to drop down some friendships that are taking you in places where do you need to be. Maybe you need to drop down the company of man that just is putting seeds that are not from God in your life. Maybe you need to drop down your circumstances and just know that he's God in your life to live a changed life. But he also, Andrew, lived an obedient life. Like I said before, he, we just see him in four times in the Bible. And that worship team can come. We're, we're going to close because, you know, it's Mother's Day. We need to get you to, to, to lunch. I need to go to lunch. I'm always hungry. People that know me know that. I love the food. But Andrew is four times, about four times in the Bible. The first time we just talked about it, he brings his brother. He's a bringer. Mothers bring people. Mothers are always praying for their kids that are lost, for the circumstances. Maybe you don't have kids, but you have that friend. You have the spiritual nurture of somebody, and you're trying to pull them in. He's a bringer. In another story, Jesus needs a donkey and asks his disciples to go get it. And let me tell you that word bring, when he says they bring his brother, is the same word that he's using when he's bringing the donkey. It actually means to drag. You know, you try to separate a little baby that is still like lactating from the mother donkey. It's hard. But Andrew did it. He just obeyed the Lord. Maybe if you think of the story of the loaves of bread and the fishes, you see Jesus talking to his disciples and say, you feed the crowd. And maybe... Some of them started to think, okay, what do we do? Do we look about the restaurants? Do we look, what is the closest town? What do we need to do? 
But it's Andrew who goes in the crowd and finds the little boy with the two fishes and the five loaves of bread. Let me tell you something. Some of us, God is just asking us to find that person that has provision for others. Some of us, God is asking, bring that person to church. Some of others are saying, tell your story so that food, that bread can change their life. The other story, you see... Philip, the Greeks, coming down, trying to get to Jesus. But the protocol of the time did not allow them to. And Philip, being one of the disciples, didn't even know what to do. And he comes to Andrew. Maybe they regarded him with some respect to know what to do on the season that was needed. Maybe you know in your heart there's things that you have to share with others that can change it, but you've just been ashamed. You've been ashamed of your past. Let me tell you, it's not about your past. It's about the glory of God redeeming it. It's about the glory of God touching it. Being that bread, that fish for those that are hungry. That was Andrew. These Greeks people, that it, they couldn't come to Jesus. But Andrew opens the door and says, Philip, don't worry about the protocol. Just bring them over. They need of him. They need of what, they, of what Jesus has. His small obedience always brought big miracles. The first one, when he brought his brother, brought the miracle of an apostle. When he brought a donkey, he brought the miracle of the king entering the city. When he brought the fishes and the loaves of bread, brought the miracle of feeding the hungry. When he brought the Greeks, it opened up racism and eliminate it. You have the answer for the problems we're facing right now. You, gay church, are the dream team. You have been selected. The angels can't even do what you've been assigned to do. The angels are jealous that you get to do it, that you get to testify to him, that you get to say, you know what? I'm moving. I'm not staying just still, but I will tell of the glory of God. I will tell what he did to me. I will tell what he is doing in my life still because I'm not a finished work. We've been called to testify of him. And this Mother's Day, I feel I needed to encourage some ladies that maybe... You've been wanting to be a mother for so long, and you can't. Maybe you have miscarriages. Or maybe you wanted to be a mother, but you're lonely. You don't even have the possibility. Don't get the chance. I'm telling you, you are impregnated with something. You're impregnated with the glory of God, and you can deliver those things. In my life, I had two miscarriages, and I almost miscarried my daughter. 
And those were the most dark days in my life and lonely. And I didn't know that it was normal for women to go through this pain. And I was ashamed to speak. I didn't know. It was like this mystery. And me and my husband were in our pain of losing kids, losing babies. And when we got pregnant with Annalise, we almost lost her too. But God spoke to us. And I remember very clear the Lord told Jay to name our daughter Jubilee. He says, because I'm your freedom. I'm your freedom from the darkness that you're feeling today. Maybe you're not losing kids. Maybe you're lonely. Maybe you're in depression. Maybe you have been trapped in the schemes of the enemy. Maybe you have been praying for your son to come back home. But God wants you to know, I am your jubilee. I am the answer to your darkness. Years pass. And when some women will talk to me about the pain they went through, I was able to share my testimony. And I know I make a difference in their life. You know, our world is out there sick of the infirmity of sin, of bitterness, unforgiveness, depression. They are captive by the enemy. And you are the walking, healing medicine for this time. You are the walking, healing medicine for those in despair. Will you not share it? Will you not testify of his goodness? Will you not testify of what he's doing in you? You've been tied by chains and he broke them. And your words, the sound of your voice is what break those chains too for others. Because what God did for you, he will do it for others. Because I believe that if he did it for somebody, he will do it for me. He will do it for me. But I need to hear that he did it for somebody. I need to hear that eyes have seen, ears have heard, and people have experienced something. I need to know that God is real. I need to know that he's still at work. And you have that inside of you. There's no point for you to be elected to be his dream team if you just sit on the bench. It's time to stand up, gay church. It's time to stand up and say, yes, it is me. It is my story. It is what he has done inside of me that we will shine through. Yes, my wounds, my wound was testified of the love of God. My wound was testified of the glory. I will move. I am living proof that he is something and he is doing something inside of me. He is at work. He is at work in my life. And because he's at work in my life, he can be at work in your life. It's time for those names to come to the house of God.
It's time for those names to, to have all their chains broken. And not wait for somebody else to go and rescue them. Not wait that somebody will come and preach something and their sins will be forgiven. No time for them to have somebody else to put it on their path. You are the person in their path. You are the person that is deciding their life and death. There's many out there today that are having a hard day. But you have the light through your vessel to shine through. We are the proof that he's still at work. And we won't be silent. We will testify of his goodness. Let me tell you something. When we were, I was studying, the Lord told me, and I shared this a little bit with Pastor Kathy, that the sound of this house is the sound of freedom. It is the sound of jubilee. It is the sound that the man that was blind can say, I see again. It is the sound for those that have been in prison to say, I am free. It is the sound to those that say, I'm sick. I'm healed. This is the sound of this church. The sound of harvest. The sound of heaven. The sound of freedom. We are called to be witnesses. We are called to proclaim something marvelous happened to me. I was a prisoner, but your love broke me free. so you can go out and share and testify of the goodness of the Lord. Let's pray that God will increase our faith, that increase our things, that he will come and do what he needs to do so we can be a witness, so we can testify that he is moving. If anybody of you want to add a name to that board, that you say, you know what, I need to testify to this person. God, give me the courage. There's a couple notes right there, sticky notes and pen. You can write those names. You can come and you can add it to that. Because every Wednesday, we're praying for those people. We're believing for the harvest. They're not just names that are there to demonstrate something. But we believe that each one of those sticky notes are going to fall. Each one of the sticky notes are going to be fulfilled. Each one of the lives has going to be changed. Each one of those people are going to be touched by you and me. By you and me. 
Mothers take charge of their kids. It's time for us to take charge of our city. Charge of the environment that we're in. That's what we've been called to. We're going to wait that God will show up. But you know what we need to do in the middle? we got to take a step. Take a step of faith. Take a step and say, I'll go. I'll say. I'll show what he's doing in my life. I tell my story. I'm not sure it's going to make a difference in all, all the lies, but it's going to make a difference in somebody. In somebody. Because I have not gone through what I have gone through just to go through it. I'm going through because his glory will be revealed. I'm going through the situations because his name is going to be glorified. And how is it going to be glorified? By freedom. By freedom. By setting the captive free. I am walking, talking, living, 